Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, guys. Welcome back to The Liz Wheeler Show. Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy made good on his promise. He made this promise before he was elected speaker that he would release the 14,000 hours of footage that the Capitol Police had, that they had surveilled, they had, they had videotaped the Capitol on January 6th. McCarthy made a promise before he was elected speaker that he would release this. Nancy Pelosi in the past as speaker had refused to release it. McCarthy, uh, actually, it's not 14,000 hours. McCarthy gave 44,000 hours of footage from the Capitol on January 6th to Tucker Carlson at Fox News. Tucker Carlson says his team of producers is combing through it, and we can expect sometime next week for his team and his show to start releasing the footage that they have found. Um, I wanted to let you guys know that on Friday, this coming Friday, I'm going to sit down with one of the most fearless, one of the most courageous journalists who continues to cover all things January 6th, from the trial, the charges, the trials, the convictions of the defendants, the January 6th defendants, to their two-year-long imprisonment, their incarceration, to the video footage, the open source video footage, the police body cam footage, and reports on the ground about January 6th from January 6th. I'm talking, of course, about Julie Kelly. I will be sitting down and talking to Julie Kelly on Friday about what we should expect to see in these January 6th tapes. What does it mean to be vindicated? What will it mean for the January 6th defendants to be exonerated? What are we looking for? Um, And what are the implications of what Julie Kelly expects us to see in these tapes? So if you haven't already subscribed to the show, please do so so you don't miss this interview. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. If you prefer watching the video version of the show, you can subscribe on youtube.com slash Liz Wheeler, on rumble.com slash Liz Wheeler, or on Locals. Um, Also... Over on the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals today, we're talking about the Asbury Revival. This is a very interesting topic. It's one of the most discussed or prominent revivals, particularly given the fact that it hasn't been videotaped. There hasn't been news organizations in there. They haven't live streamed it yet. But still, it's it's been one of the most talked about revivals in a long time. And the question, of course, is, is it real? or should we be skeptical? So join us at lizwheelershow.com slash locals. Join in that discussion. I'm interested in your take, and I will walk you through my thought process and how I am looking at the Asbury revival. Okay, what we're going to talk about on the show today is the idea of a national divorce. Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene says that a national divorce is our only recourse given the radical leftist assault on our nation. Now, What is a national divorce? It's exactly what it sounds like. You take this unified nation, which we are, I know that there's divide within our nation, but we are one nation and you divorce the two pieces. You divorce the left from the right. You divorce the blue states from the red states. You essentially become, if not two different countries, certainly two different nations within one country. A lot of people are in favor of this. A lot of people think that this is where we're headed. A lot of people um, call this the balkanization of America. A lot of people say, listen, you have to leave the blue states where you live 
because the leftist policies make it impossible for your family to survive um, and you have to relocate to a red state. Red Republicans should, should go to red states and Democrats should go to blue states. Marjorie Taylor Greene calls this a national divorce. She wants to make it more official than simply, you know, people leaving New York to go to Florida, leaving California to go to Texas or Arizona. I absolutely reject the idea of a national divorce for a couple of reasons. First of all, the practical reasons. I'm not sure exactly what this means when she says a national divorce or when other people say a national divorce. If you're talking about secession, that's never worked in the entire history of our country. That's never worked. It's never happened. It's never been successful. So I'm not sure why that would be successful now. Certainly not successful and certainly not something that anyone should support if you're talking about an actual civil war, if you're talking about any kind of fighting. And I'm not sure how secession would happen without without some kind of fighting. So in that sense, both, I'm not sure how it would work, and I also don't want it to work if it begets fighting. The second practicality of this is uh, the idea of a national divorce neglects to understand or acknowledge the reality of of this leftist political enemy that we face. And what I mean by that is, sure, you might recognize that the radical leftist ideology, even the Marxist ideology, is a threat. You might even recognize the ideology as Marxist ideology. However, the the Marxist ideology is a very imperialist ideology, meaning the left doesn't want to sit here in their house or in their state and mind their own business while you sit here in your house or in your state and mind your own business and just respect, you know, agree to disagree, respect each other's right to live however you want in your own house on your own property. That's not what the left wants to do. If the left wanted to do that, we'd actually be fine right now. Our country would not be as divided as it is. Our political environment wouldn't be as toxic as it is if this is what the left wants, but the left, that's not what they want. The left actively wants to force us to not only accept their ideology, but to practice it and to celebrate it. And they wanna separate us from our children so that they can indoctrinate our children to be on their side. There's nothing, there's nothing libertarian about the left's ideology. There's nothing, there's nothing, oh, let's just respect each other's differences about the leftist ideology. So there's no reason in practicality to think that even if, even accepting the premise for one second, which I don't, but for the sake of argument, we'll, we'll entertain, even accepting the premise for a moment that it would be a moral or a good or an appropriate thing to give a blue state to the Democrats because, you know, that way they can have their own little blue state, um, that that would work. It is immoral, it's wrong, and it wouldn't actually work. Um, Those are the two practical reasons to reject a national divorce, but the primary reason that all conservatives should reject a national divorce outright is because it's a losing mentality. It's the opposite of how you fight against Marxism. And I wanna walk through exactly what I mean in the show today. So let's get to it. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, so let me read to you Marjorie Taylor Greene's tweet. This is what she says She says, quote, 
we need a national divorce. We need to separate by red states and blue states and shrink the federal government. Everyone I talk to says this. From the sick and disgusting woke culture issues shoved down our throats to the Democrats' traitorous America last policies, we are done. Now, I'd first like to say, I understand where Marjorie Taylor Greene is coming from. I understand this, this emotion. I understand this frustration. I understand this fear. I understand what it feels like. We all do, right? To stand here and look at the eyes of the beast, to look at Marxism so close to us that we can feel its breath on our face. I understand what that feels like. I understand the desperation that comes with that feeling, the hopelessness of seeing, looking at our government institutions and our cultural institutions and seeing that they've all been captured, that our government institutions are run not by our members of Congress, our elected representatives, but by the administrative state. And our cultural institutions, like the family and like the education system and like the medical industry are all compromised by radical leftist ideology. And it doesn't feel like any accountability happens even when we see wrongdoing happening before our very eyes. And our families are under attack. Our children are the target of the left. The left is trying to indoctrinate our kids with critical race theory, with queer theory, with wokeism that is poison. And the scariest part of all is that it's working. We see a generation, Gen Z, we see a generation of children who are falling prey to this Marxist assault. So I get what Marjorie Taylor Greene is feeling. I totally get it. We all are feeling the same feeling, but our response to the provocation of the left needs to be better. Our response to the provocation of the left cannot be exactly what the left wants us to do. And the left wants the Republican Party and the conservative movement to call for a national divorce. This is exactly what the left wants. And it won't work for a couple of reasons. First of all, um, Secession has never worked in the history of our country, and there's no reason to think that now would be any different. It's also a threat to our national security to want to separate any part of our country away from our country. We need every part of our country. Every part of our geography is valuable, and we shouldn't want to give that away just because we don't like the politicians who are running the state or the territory or the city or the town or the county where these woke policies are happening. That's not the right answer. It's also... An, a fundamental misunderstanding of what the leftist ideology seeks to do. The leftist ideology doesn't seek to live their values in their own homes. They're not just trying to avoid living by conservative values. They're not saying, hey, wait a second, we don't want conservatism because we want to live maybe non-Christian or anti-American values in our own communities. That's not what the left wants. The left is imperialist. They want to export their ideology into our nation at large, force us under threat of social ostracization or sometimes legal prohibition under penalty of the law to comply with their radical leftist ideology, and they want to separate our children from us to indoctrinate our children. So all that being said, even if we gave the left a state, a blue state, two blue states, three blue states, however many, they wouldn't stay there. They wouldn't be satisfied they want to come for what we have. They want to destroy who we are. They hate us. So this would never work from all practicality. I, re I reject this approach. I reject the idea of a national divorce entirely. And the most important reason why is because this is a losing mentality. If you resort to a national divorce, then you are admitting defeat. You are retreating and separating because you don't believe 
that you can emerge victorious. You don't believe you can win back the blue city or the blue states or the blue voters. The idea that we would surrender blue states, and I say blue states, think about California, for example. California is a perfect example of this. You know I love California. I think the government in California is abysmal. It's called California for a reason. But many, many, many people in California, a large percentage of people in California are not liberal. And I'm not just talking about radical leftists. Like there are Republicans, conservatives in California. But the reason that the government is entirely leftist is because the concentrated cities, San Diego, to a lesser extent, Los Angeles, Sacramento, San Francisco, these are concentrated urban centers that are concentrated with leftists. So their votes and the sheer concentration of those people in those cities end up driving the outcome of the elections at the state level. And so they elect, elect radical leftists, but these radical leftists don't just have control of leftist voters. These radical leftist politicians also impact all of the conservatives and Republicans in the state of California. So the idea of surrendering the state of California to the left just because the politicians in charge of California are leftists, you are actually giving people on our side to the wolves. You're giving millions of conservatives to Marxists because you can't figure out a strategy to overtake them, overtake them in elections and win those seats in government. I find that to be outright immoral because it's not just this vague idea of geography and states, which is impractical and bad enough, it's people that you're sacrificing because you don't think that you can win. It also doesn't work. We already have proof that this doesn't work. We can, I wanna look at a couple of examples in states across the country where even when the state itself is a red state, even when the politicians in charge of the red states are conservative Republican politicians, it doesn't eradicate leftists, leftist ideology, and wokeism pervading our, our um, institutions, governmental institutions and civil institutions. Take Kansas, for example. Can you think of a more red state than Kansas? It's the middle of the country, flyover state, Kansas. Kansas voted down a pro-life referendum in their state. Even though it's one of the reddest country, one of the reddest states in the country. Why? What happened? How come Kansas, of all places, wasn't able to push back against radical leftism? Because the radical left is not satisfied having abortion on demand in blue states, in California, in New York. They're not satisfied letting conservative people in red states be left alone. In fact, the Democrats will spend more money in red states trying to impact the politics of the red states than they will ultimately spend in blue states because blue states are just safe spaces to the Democrats. Red states are the real battlegrounds. So even if you separated, even if you have this national divorce, what makes you think the Democrats wouldn't spend more money trying to culturally influence the red states that they ultimately want to control? Look at Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas is a liberal city in a very, very red state. Why? Because Democrats never give up. Democrats will never surrender. There were the, the first, one of the first stories about those drag, uh, those drag shows 
for children came out of Texas. Texas is supposed to be, it used to be the reddest state in the country, and now it's possibly second to Florida, but maybe just second. Second is still pretty red. In Ohio, I know Ohio sometimes is purple, sometimes it goes Democrat in presidential elections, sometimes it goes Republican, but culturally, Ohio is a red state. Ohio is a state of family values. There's critical race theory embedded in the school system in Ohio. Democrats never give up. All of this is to say, I reject the idea of a national divorce. Blue states, by the way, don't always stay blue. Red states don't always stay red. But if we engage with the idea of a national divorce, we are sentencing blue states and the people in the blue states to be blue forever. When we've seen how many times that states can change. Swing states aren't always swing states. Red states aren't always solid red states. Blue states aren't always solid blue states. I refuse to take part in this. What we need to do instead, and this, this is what some conservatives I think are missing the point, what Marjorie Taylor Greene is missing. We don't need a national divorce. That wouldn't solve our problem. What we need is a solution. We need a strategy for actually fighting back against the radical leftist ideology. And so I'd like to present some examples and some ideas of how we can effectively fight back and, and entirely reject. I'm on the same page with Marjorie Taylor Greene when it comes to entirely rejecting the neo-Marxist ideology, this radical leftist ideology. But we can't just do it with a bombastic tweet. We have to do it in a very shrewd, very strategic, um, and unwavering way. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So what we need instead of a national divorce is we need accountability. Um, and I, like I said before, I understand the emotion behind this, this um, recent advocacy for a national divorce. We feel the radical left is threatening our very livelihoods, our countries, our families, and ourselves. We feel desperate because we don't feel like we have recourse. We don't feel like we have, we have hope. We do, though. We do have hope. We do have things that we can do. And we start with accountability. Um, accountability means blue states are required, are forced to stay within the bounds of our Constitution and within the bounds of natural law. That if a leftist wants to live according to principles that you and I find to be immoral, as long as they're not violating someone else's rights, they have a right to do that, but they're not allowed to, they're not allowed to impose that on their state. That's, that's a core principle on which our, our nation was founded. So what does accountability for some of these key issues look like? I'd like to suggest a couple of ideas. So President Joe Biden visited Ukraine for President's Day instead of 
staying here in the United States instead of visiting East Palestine, Ohio, where they had the largest industrial disaster, environmental disaster, probably in US history. Biden went to visit Ukraine, he went to visit Kyiv. He pledged while he was there to give half a billion dollars more than the $50 billion of our taxpayer money that Biden and Congress has have already given to uh, Zelensky, the biggest hoax of 2022. It seems like he's perpetuating that in 2023 as well. Um, there's a video that's gone around this week um, of Biden talking about us, U.S. taxpayers, funding the pensions, not of not of our fellow citizens here in the United States, but of the people of Ukraine. And I want to I want to take a listen to this video. And to deliver much needed humanitarian assistance as well as food, water, medicine, shelter, and other aid to Ukrainians displaced by Russia's war, and provide aid for those seeking refuge in other countries from Ukraine. <clears throat> it's also going to help schools and hospitals open. It's going to allow pensions and social support to be paid to the Ukrainian people so they have something, something in their pocket. It's also going to provide critical resources to address food shortages around the globe. So funnily enough, that video is not from this week. It's not from recently. It's actually from a year ago. Just after, just a couple months, two or three months after Russia invaded Ukraine, Biden was already talking about doing this, forcing you and I to pay for the pensions of Ukrainians, even while people in the United States, U.S. citizens, are not, are not able to collect their pensions, but our money going to Ukraine instead. A lot of people, if you're like me, you find this to be really atrocious. You find this to be really off-putting. You hear Mitch McConnell say, supposedly a Republican, right? Supposed to be a Republican, say that the Ukraine war is the most important thing going on around the world. And you think, well, wait a second, our people in East Palestine, Ohio, aren't even able to drink the water. They're finding dead fish. They're seeing chemicals show up in their, in their ponds and in their, in their water. They, this, this is spreading all over. I mean, my family lives outside of Cincinnati and there's in the Ohio River, right by Cincinnati, they're already detecting these toxic chemicals. And McConnell and Biden don't seem to care. They seem to care only about this forever war in Ukraine and funding this war against Russia that seems inevitably as if it will lead to either direct war with Putin, which who wants that, or nuclear war, God forbid. I understand the inclination to want a national divorce from Biden because his mismanagement, his abdication of duty is going to implicate us. We are going to be harmed by his, by his policies. However, there's a difference between an emotional reaction, which would be national divorce, and actual accountability. Here's what actual accountability would look for. And if members of Congress, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, want to fight the based fight, want to eradicate, stamp out, annihilate the radical leftist ideology, this neo-Marxist ideology, then in this circumstance, how you would do that is you would not just investigate Hunter Biden to try to score points in the media, to try to convince independent voters to vote Republican in 2024. What you would do is you would investigate the details of Hunter Biden's business dealings, not because you intend to indict Hunter Biden. I think at this point, no one really cares about Hunter Biden himself. He's clearly a threat. But the real, the real threat is Joe Biden, Joe Biden's corruption. The fact that Joe Biden has been bought off and therefore has shown willingness to being bought off again, that, that this corruption, that he's accepted money from 
foreign adversaries of the United States through Hunter Biden is a criminal offense. If you wanna fight back on this, you don't instigate a national divorce, you instigate the impeachment of Joe Biden. And not just on Twitter. You instigate this in the House of Representatives. This goes all the way up to, to Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House. This decision, whether or not to investigate Hunter Biden in order to actually investigate Joe Biden's role, was he complicit? Did he know about these dealings? Did he know that, Bi that Hunter Biden was selling this, this pay-to-play scheme where if you paid Hunter Biden money, you got access to Joe Biden as vice president. Was he aware of that? And was he aware that he was? We know for a fact from Hunter's laptop that he was profiting off of that, that Joe Biden was profiting off of that. It shouldn't be taken into consideration. McCarthy should ignore the fact that, no, the Senate would not, would not most likely convict Joe Biden even if the House impeached him. But that should not stop the Republicans in the House of Representatives. If you want actual accountability for how Joe Biden is behaving in Ukraine, then you expose why Joe Biden is behaving in Ukraine, the, the, expose why he's behaving that way because of how he's behaved before. A national divorce isn't the right way to fight. It will beget nothing but chaos. Impeachment of Joe Biden is the proper accountability, the proper recourse, the proper way to fight back. The same with East Palestine, Ohio. I'll tell you politically what's gonna happen in East Palestine, Ohio. East Palestine is a bellwether for 2024. It's incredibly important what happens in East Palestine uh, going into the next presidential election cycle. That's why Donald Trump is visiting East Palestine, Ohio. That's why as soon as Trump announced that he was visiting East Palestine, Biden mobilized FEMA. He refused to before Trump visited, but then when Trump announced his visit, then Biden mobilized FEMA because they understand that East Palestine is a political battlefield. They understand that the white working class who make up the majority of the residents in East Palestine are swing voters. And they understand that white working class feel forgotten. And that whoever listens and hears and responds to the forgotten white working class voter will win their vote. Senator Janie Vance is doing a pretty good job. He exposed, so far, he exposed Norfolk Southern's indemnity waiver. Apparently Norfolk Southern was, when they were testing for toxic levels of these chemicals at, at people's homes, they were making residents sign an indemnity form that, that, that was a waiver of any liability uh, on the part of Norfolk Southern as a condition of the testing of the houses. And when Senator J.D. Vance called Norfolk Southern, they were like, oh, we, uh, you know, accidentally printed these forms. We didn't mean for this to happen, which shocking that they wouldn't have better PR than this. Nobody just walks, nobody accidentally prints an indemnity form and accidentally forces residents to sign it. They just thought they could get away with it and they're not sorry they did it, they're sorry that they caught, got caught. Even so, here's what's going to happen politically. Norfolk Southern will pay off residents of East Palestine, Ohio. They're already doing it. I believe it was $1,000 checks um, in this first round, but the, the people of East Palestine will get you know cash or check. They will get money from Norfolk Southern. Um, how much ultimately, I don't know, but it won't have to be a terribly large amount because it's a white working class town. Thousands of dollars will is a lot of money for white working class voters. And so when they have money in hand, people will forget. 
at least for the time being, they'll forget, you know, at least for 10 years until the cancer and the birth defects from these chemicals show up and Democrats will win this politically. Unless you fight back in an effective and shrewd way. And it's not by calling for a national divorce. You fight back in an effective and shrewd way by, by Republicans, especially Republicans in the House of Representatives. Although Republicans, state level Republicans in Ohio can also do this. Republicans must go scorched earth and dig into who is responsible. Who's responsible at Norfolk Southern for unsafe practices that lead to broken axles that weren't noticed before these tanker cars carried toxic chemicals that can literally harm and kill people. Who's responsible at the Department of Transportation for this response? If there is not I, and I'm not talking about tweets. Like tweets are great to expose an issue, but when you are an elected representative, your job is not just to tweet. Your job is to use the power of your office to investigate and hold accountable people who commit wrongdoing. And if Republicans don't do this, then they're going to lose in East, East Palestine. And of course, if you're if you're losing, then your inclination might be, well, I'd rather just separate from the radical leftists and not have to deal with their crap but that's a losing mentality. That's not the way to fight back if you believe that you can be victorious, if you're willing to fight the hard fight. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The same thing with John Fetterman, the senator from Pennsylvania who was hospitalized for severe mental illness. I feel bad for the man personally. He's undergoing inpatient care at Walter Reed Medical Center for clinical depression. I can't imagine that this would mean anything other than suicidal ideation. You wouldn't be, a United States senator wouldn't undergo inpatient care for a matter of weeks unless he was, unless he was wanting to kill himself. And I feel an incredible amount of compassion for him. I feel extremely sad for him. I pray for him and I wish him well. But it makes you wonder, how did this man become a U.S. senator? How was he and his wife and the hand, and his handlers, those in his campaign, and Democrats at the national level, how were they able to hide the reality of what John Fetterman had suffered, meaning the extent of the damage that his stroke, that he, that he suffered from his stroke. How were they able to hide that? How was he able to defeat even, even a candidate that sucks, like Dr. Oz, given what he is and what he can't do, what he's capable of, that he's a severely disabled individual? How was he able to win? The answer to that is not a national divorce. The answer to that is not writing off Pennsylvania. It's not kicking Pennsylvania voters to the curb. The answer to that, and YouTube's probably not gonna let me say this, so we might have to bleep this out. The answer to that 
is John Fetterman won in Pennsylvania because of ballot harvesting. John Fetterman won in Pennsylvania because of electioneering. John Fetterman won in Pennsylvania because the Democrats were strategic and shrewd in how they collected votes. They went out and targeted voters and collected votes. And so the answer to that is not to, is not to kick Pennsylvania to the curb. The answer to that is to build up your own apparatus of quote unquote, get out the vote, to build up your own apparatus of ballot harvesting to match the Democrats, to compete with them in order to defeat them. If you wanna fight back and you actually want to be victorious instead of just appearing like you're doing something brave and controversial, then you diagnose the problem and you propose a real solution. You don't just write it off. Writing it off, even if you're doing it loudly, is just another way to brush something under the rug. It's a next generation Republican squishes who don't want to fight that culture war. You have to fight the uncomfortable battles or we're not gonna win in our country. And it's not fighting the uncomfortable battles to try to write off the radical left. Just because you've labeled them as bad doesn't mean you're fighting against them. I refuse to be part of of a loser mentality like a national divorce. Or this video. This is a video that, uh, or a compilation of videos from an influencer on Twitter who is perhaps the most evil, the creepiest person that I have ever seen. This is an individual who identifies as some sort of non-binary, gender-fluid, transgender. It's obviously a biological man who wears some makeup and tries to dress up like a girl but doesn't even kind of look like a girl. And this, this individual, this man, makes videos for young children. And there is simply no other term to describe this man but a despicable groomer. And so this video that I want to play for you juxtaposes, and I'm not just talking about a groomer like grooming into gender ideology, I'm talking like grooming for sexual abuse groomer. So this video compilation that I'm about to show you is, is a series of clips from this, this TikTok influencer juxtaposed with the actual strategy for what grooming is when an adult is grooming a child for sexual abuse. The, the, this, um, the steps in the grooming process have been identified and labeled so that parents and children can recognize them when they see them and can avoid them. But this TikTok influencer that speaks to your children is engaging in the steps of how to groom a child for sexual abuse, and it's horrendous. Take a look at this. Selection based on ease of access and or perceived vulnerabilities. Hey kids. Trans kids have no power. They can't fight back. That's number one. Access and isolation. Physical or emotional separation from those that actually care about them. Three ways to disrespect your elders. I coach a lot of people one-on-one -on -one who want to go no contact with their parents. No contact. No contact. No contact. I will tell you about going no contact. Trust development. Giving attention and sharing secrets. Making the victim feel as if they're in a caring relationship. If you need a family, you can come hang out with me. They may not see the real you. Your parents screwed up. It's okay to say so. <laughs> That's why I made a Patreon. How are you doing? I care about you.
are you? Are you okay? I hope you're okay. And of course you can't forget the desensitization to sexual topics. Here are three reasons why sex is difficult for you. And lastly, attempts to make this behavior seem normal. Do you remember this video? I was a controversy. <laughs> but the right wing, the far right in the United States went absolutely over the edge. It is completely unsurprising and tragic that TikTok allows this type of behavior and <clears throat> on its platform. Makes you sick to your stomach, doesn't it? I, I get the creepy crawlies just watching that. It makes me so angry. Almost angry enough to call for a national divorce. Because how else can we separate ourselves from the predators who are targeting our children? But calling for a national divorce wouldn't work. It wouldn't be effective. There is an effective way to fight back against this. And it's to hold big tech's feet to the fire to outright ban TikTok. Members of Congress like Marjorie Taylor Greene can easily bring to the floor a piece of legislation that would ban TikTok in the United States. TikTok is not just an app where predators, child sex predators, groom children. It is that but it's also a Chinese information warfare operation. And it's effective. It's working. It's poisoning the minds of our children. It's causing our nation to grow closer and closer to crumbling from within, which is what the Chinese Communist Party wants. We don't have to allow that to happen. We don't have to simply say, I reject this and I don't want this. I don't wanna be part of a country or a blue state or a blue city that has anything to do with this, we can put a stop to it if we actually commit to fighting the fight and not just identifying what we're fighting against. Identifying what we're fighting against is only the first step, but we have to fight the fight. The same thing, Joe Biden's administration, well, Joe Biden, I suppose, um, issued an executive order recently called Executive Order on Further Advancing Racial Equity and Support for Undeserved Communities Throughout the Federal Government. What this is essentially is Joe Biden codifying DEI into the administrative state, into the federal government. And many people condemn this because it's wrong. They say, oh, it's tokenism. This is, you shouldn't be hiring someone or not hiring someone based on an immutable characteristic like race. And that is of course true. That's of course accurate. However, that's not the only reason to reject this, nor is it the proper way to fight back against this. The proper way to fight back against this is not a national divorce. It's not for not to balkanize, to have red states and blue states into a, if you're, if you're a red family in a blue state to leave, if you're a blue family in a red state to leave. No, that's not, that's not the proper thing to do. The proper thing to do here is to expose exactly what the Biden administration is doing, meaning what the consequences are, what the implications are, what the damage is from a DEI policy, and to show people how it's harming them. And then, and this is a follow-up to what we talked about yesterday, to stop being so nice about it. So let me show you what I'm talking about. Karine Jean-Pierre, the press secretary for the Biden administration, bragged from the podium in the press briefing room about the Biden administration being the most diverse administration ever. Take a look. Uh, 
and we are proud that through our work with members of Congress and stakeholders, we've made the most diverse administration that ever, ever, not even in modern uh, politics, but ever. But what does that mean? A lot of conservatives and Republicans are afraid to sit here and say, that's not a good thing because they're afraid of being accused of being racist. They're afraid of being accused of uh, being a white supremacist, of being a white nationalist. And they're no such thing. Saying that it is not a bragging point to be the most diverse administration ever because there is no inherent morality in diversity, no inherent benefit begot of tokenism is something that we should be saying. Diversity, equity, and inclusion is not diversity of thought. It's not equality. It's not, it's not inclusion of different viewpoints. It's the opposite. In the eyes of the Biden administration, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, is just the principles of critical race theory. Diversity is racism. It's discriminating against certain people based on the color of their skin. Equity is not equality. Equity is socialism. Equity chooses winners and losers. It's, it's everyone having the same outcome, not the same opportunity. It's authoritarianism. And inclusion is religious persecution because they don't mean including everyone's viewpoint. They mean you being forced to celebrate, usually, the radical LGBTQ agenda. And the implications of this on a cultural level are devastating. They're actually harmful. Look at this New York Times headline. It's called the end of the all-male, all-white cockpit. It says airlines are struggling to find enough pilots and to diversify a profession that has been very resistant to change. When you get on an airplane, would you feel more confident in the safety of yourself and your family if you know that a pilot, doesn't matter what the pilot looks like, whether it's a boy or a girl, whether this person is black or white or brown, would you feel more confident knowing that this person has passed rigorous training standards, or would you feel more confident and safer knowing that this was a black person who was hired just because they're black or a woman hired just because she's a woman? I know what your answer is. It's the same answer that we all answered. And it's not racist to say that because it's not a commentary on women. It's not a commentary on black people. It's a commentary on hiring people who are qualified for the position, not looking at them and say, I like the way you look because you look a certain way, you have certain characteristics that I like, therefore I'm gonna let you fly the plane. In Connecticut, in the state of Connecticut, there's a bill, it's, bill, it's called Bill 818, that's proposing reparations, reparations to black people for slavery. What this means is that people who never had slaves are going to be forced by the government to give their money to people who were never slaves. That's socialism, it's authoritarianism, it's unjust, it's unfair. This is harmful to people's lives. The Department of Defense, look at this picture from the Department of, De of Defense. They tweeted about this, they bragged about hosting a DEI summit at the Department of Defense. The mission of the Department of Defense is to create a war fighting machine in the US military. It's to win wars and kill people. That's what the Department of Defense is about, to protect the homeland, our national security. Are we going to be better at winning wars and protecting our people? If we choose, if we hire people based on what they look like, instead of based on their qualifications, of course we're not, of course we're not. And so this goes back to what we were talking about yesterday when we were talking about Matt Walsh and the video that he made about the transgender TikTok star, Dylan Mulvaney, and how some conservatives were saying, you know what, Matt Walsh was too mean. In fact, he was so mean that he was so mean that it was counterproductive to our cause. 
And I said yesterday, being nice, people misunderstand or, 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 or deliberately, willfully redefine the word nice. Being nice is not, is not the same as being kind. Being nice is not being loving. Being nice is not speaking reality. Being nice, the way that it's defined by so many people these days on the left, and apparently some on the right, is nothing. Being nice is just being soft. It's just not ruffling feathers. It's not being politically incorrect. It's, it, it has no inherent moral value. It might be easier because you don't have to challenge anything. You don't have to defend your position. You don't have to say anything that someone else is going to use to levy a false allegation at you. But the, the, the DEI initiative, for example, DEI is racism, discrimination, it's evil, it's tokenism, it's insulting to black people and to women, it's religious persecution, it's socialism, it's Marxism. Our country is worse when we adhere to the tenets, the neo-Marxist tenets of DEI. Black people are worse off. Women are worse off. I don't care if that doesn't sound nice to say. I don't care if that's not soft to say. I don't care if that's politically incorrect. I don't care if that's culturally insensitive. We shouldn't be calling for a national divorce because we're afraid to say these things. We shouldn't be calling for a national divorce because we're afraid to fight the fights. It's only step one to identify, acknowledge the reality of the political enemy that we're facing. Step two is having the courage and the will and the shrewdness and the tactics to fight back effectively against it. I refuse to be part of a national divorce. I reject this idea because it's a loser mentality. It means you don't believe you can win. You're willing to surrender, not just intangible states, but people to the neo-Marxist ideology because you don't think that you can fight effectively enough to win against it. All conservatives should reject this. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.